Welcome to the Overnight Trainer Podcast, where each week we talk about all things related to the world of learning and development, including facilitation, instructional design, sales enablement, and so much more. I'm your host, Sarah Canistra, and I'm an L&D strategist and career coach, and I'm here to take the guesswork out of becoming an L&D professional and show you how to unlock continued success in your learning and development career. I'm on a mission to quickly develop the next generation of L&D leaders who are looking to create meaningful and engaging learning experiences. So, if you're looking to transition into L&D for the first time, have found yourself accidentally in a training position, or are working up the ranks as an L&D professional already, you've come to the right place. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Overnight Trainer Podcast. Today's episode is so fun and a little different, so I can't wait to get to that. And of course, you know, I just love, love, love to celebrate my clients. And I got off a call last week with one of my clients who told me that within a week span, she received five offers all at least $20,000 more a year than she was making before. And what's interesting, although that all of that is amazing, <laughs> uh, what's interesting though is that there was one job offer in particular that came back to her. So she had interviewed for this role, was very excited about it, was really, really, really bummed when it didn't pan out. And I told her, I said, I bet you, you know, They'll come back to you. There's a good chance things happen. And lo and behold, they came back. The other person didn't pan out, didn't work out, and they were offering her the job. Uh, since then, she had interviewed with someone, a different, uh, a different company that was much more aligned. And so it just goes to show a couple of things that, hey, you never know what's going to come back around. So the power of networking, the power of you know, just what, what what can come back to you is so important to keep in mind that it just might be a not right now when we see it as a no. And that that role wasn't the perfect role for her. She knew that. I knew that. And she ended up getting the most perfect role for her. So the moral of that story is just to stay strong. We, I talked to another client today, you know, rejection sucks. Um, but again, it might just be a not right now instead of a no. And when it comes back around, you know, in this client's case in particular, she was able to see, wow, was this even as great as I thought it was in my head? So I plan on doing a whole podcast episode about that. It's interesting seeing my clients go through, you know, when, when you're in that depth of despair, when you, you get told no and how terrible it feels, um, and then being able to, you know, even just a couple of weeks later, sometimes a couple of days later, you know, something else comes along and you're like, what was I thinking? <laughs> Why was I so upset about that? So I plan on doing a whole podcast episode about that as well, but I want to move on to today's episode where I am excited to welcome the person who inspired me to get into learning and development in the first place, Steve Wunsch. So if you listen to my intro episode, you'll know I was sitting in his training class when I was 20, which makes me feel 100 right now. Uh, that made me realize that this is what I wanted to do with my life. And Steve and I reconnected two years ago when I saw him at a conference and fangirled all over him. Um, so it was such an honor to have him on the show today. And today's episode is so fun because 
normally I have a topic that I want to cover. And with Steve, I did. I wanted to talk about the intersectionality between sales and learning and development. So we'll have to come back for a round two because we just started talking and we didn't stop. So this episode is completely unscripted, completely goes in a bunch of different directions. But Steve really gives some amazing advice to all of us about pitfalls, growth, developing your career in learning and development. So I really, really, really hope you enjoy it. And a little bit about Steve, he's an expert focused on learning and development training, specifically in the multifamily space. And he has a track record of achieving amazing results that not only positively impact profitability and efficiency, but also employee engagement. He is an industry leader. Everyone in the multifamily industry knows Steve Wunsch, and he is certified in instructional-led leadership, sales and customer service training, instructional design, virtual online learning, as well as in performance support, business process improvement, keynote speaking, large group meetings, and a host of other consultative services. Welcome, my hero, my L&D hero, (laughs) Steve Wunsch. Welcome to the Overnight Trainer Podcast. How are you? Thanks, Sarah. I'm great. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. I'm so excited that you're on. I know I actually got to interview you when I first started the overnight trainer Yeah. and I started my blog, which I have not been keeping up with. I <laughs> probably know, uh, but my, that series was called lessons from a legend. And of course I could think of no one better to what other legend than you to, to <laughs> I'm a legend in my own person. mind anyway, right? <laughs> in mine as well, but people actually know about you. And it's funny, I don't, we have, we were talking before the show, but I didn't, I don't, I forgot to mention this, but people actually know about you by name and by our, because in my intro episode to my, my podcast, I talk about how I decided I wanted to be in training. And so people will be like, oh yeah, like they, they actually recognize who you are and, and your name from that story. So, uh, you know, people listening to this show today will know you from that story. And I'll say it again, that I remember you know, sitting in your training class and it was probably 13 or 14 years ago, yeah. which is like really dating both of us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm way uh, <laughs> ahead of you. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm like doing the math. You're still like, safe. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Like that's a long time, but you know, I, re- I remember that it, it really, I've told you this before, how much that changed, like that moment sitting there changed my life. And I remember it as clear as day. We were in the ballroom some hotel somewhere in Orlando, Orlando and Hilton yep. in Altamont Springs. Yeah, probably. Sales, a, probably a sales meeting. It was, yeah, a quarterly sales rally. Yeah, yeah. And I watched you deliver a training and I said, that's it. Like, that's, that's what I want to do. And I didn't know how to do it or <laughs> like where to even start. And I, even after that, I didn't do much with that idea, but it was you who showed me that, oh, this could actually be a career. And I said this to you before we, we started rolling and the feeling that I had sitting in there that it, it wasn't even a thought of like, Oh, this could be a career. It was like, wow, I could make other people feel this way. I could help other people in their careers. And so, you know, that started me on my journey to learning and development. And then we got to reconnect a couple of years ago at a, at a conference and you continue to inspire me. And I'm just so happy that my community gets to meet the infamous Steve once they've heard <laughs> all about you and now they get to actually hear you hear you live so oh gosh, before thanks. we dive deep into all the wonderful questions we have and we're going to talk about 
sales and training and the intersectionality between the two. Tell us about you, who you are, and your journey into learning and development. Sure. Well, so, you know, my, my arena has been the multifamily space for about, tw- well, it's going on 28 years now. Uh, and of those 28, 25 were spent in some form or another of a learning and development role. And I have to tell you the the at the end of the day, if I can have an impact on one person like I did for you, um, not only in you know looking towards what their future self could be or their their career path within their organization, but just to help them be successful at what they're doing. Um, if I can impact the life of one or two people, you know, during the course of my career, then I can rest easy that I've done a good job. And um, that's really kind of what motivates me to do what I do is to, to enable others. I, you know, I joked the other day, there was, there's the adage, you know, those who can do those who can't teach, but those who teach can and do, but they prefer this side of the table versus the other, you know? And so it's not like you can't sell, you can't be a a good sales leader in order to be a trainer, but you should be both. You should be able to do both sides of of the table equally as strong, but where your passion lies, that's the, that's the key there. So I think for listeners out there who are considering, you know, jumping the fence and and joining the the L and D community, whether it be in multifamily or hospitality or retail or food service, um, you really have to sit back and say, you know, at the end of the day, what is it that I want out of this opportunity? Do I want to help others? You know, when you're in a support role, training is a support role. And I think people get a, oh, so I kind of already gone off track um, talking about my, my story. I was a trainer because I was a good participant. I wanted to learn. I wanted to play well with others during class and you know everybody hates role play but what better opportunity to try on new skills at, at a no cost no risk uh, moment than during a class and so you know when when you are looking to make that jump i'm going to encourage the listeners to be good participants you know if there's pre work required get it done and don't show up at class unprepared and if you're going to do an exercise you know participate ask good questions Um, adults need to bring their learning experience into, or their life experience into their learning experience. So share what you know, share what's worked, share what hasn't worked. When you're in those training circles, those classes and things within your organization, or maybe you're at school still, you know, use those learning, uh, learning environments to, you know, air your dirty laundry and, and say, Hey, I tried this and it didn't work. And this is what happened. Anybody have any feedback? Be open to that. But uh, be a participant in your your experience and make sure that you show other learning professionals that, you know, not only can I take what you say, apply it to what I need to do, do that successfully, but I also show up prepared, I play well with others, and I'm involved in my own learning uh, as, as I move through these classes and things that my company is presenting me with. And that's really how I got, I was a good participant after a class. Uh, the VP of training at the time at Archstone, which was way back. That's going to date me for those of you that know property management. Um, she was like, I think you could be a trainer. What would you think of that? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm a performer. I was a singer, dancer, sang on cruise ships, uh, performed in theme show, uh, theme park shows, and you know, was a singer, dancer, actor for a couple of years prior to getting into uh, property management. And so 
that frustrated performer feels very much at home in, in the classroom as well. So uh, I encourage folks that are out there maybe uh, still in school or, or looking for opportunities, take an improv class, uh, get involved in a local community theater. If you're not good at public speaking, pair up with a Toastmasters group, you know, do your due diligence so that you're not joining a Toastmasters group that's just a bunch of lonely people who want to get together and talk, but that you're you're joining a Toastmasters group that's really designed to help people overcome that fear of public speaking, which is what they really are designed to, to help to do. So, you know, I just kind of stumbled into it because I was, you know, a good participant. <laughs> and since then, so you were, picked out of the crowd, essentially, can mm -hmm. be a trainer. So what was your journey then through, you know, from that moment, you know, as you kind of became an accidental trainer, like many of us have, what yep. was your, your journey through that? And as you've moved up and, you know, moved around and have experienced different types of companies, different types of organizations, talk to us a little bit more about from that moment, what was the what has your journey been since then? Yeah. So I actually started out similarly to you, Sarah, um, you know, when poof, all of a sudden you were a Yardie trainer. I was a, I was a software training manager and I hate software. I mean, I, it's the most dry stuff to teach. It's boring. Um, and this was back in the DOS based days of AMSI and BCL ledger and, some of those old school property management folks that are out there in the, in the audience will remember those days. And I wasn't real busy, you know, because once, once people got used to the routine at closeout, I might've gotten a few questions and had to provide a little bit of support, but I reached out to my boss and I said, look, I'm not real busy. And I feel like my skill set's not being leveraged. I'd really love the opportunity to start to teach some of this customer service and sales material, because that's really where my passion is. And she's like, okay, well, let's give it a try. So, you know, maybe you get your foot in the door with a, with a role that isn't exactly suited to what you, what you want to do. And I'll caution you because I, you know, just recently left a role because it wasn't the right fit. So don't just take a job to get a job, <laughs> make sure it is a job that's going to fulfill you personally at the end of the day, because we spend way too much time at work to not be happy doing what we're doing. But, you know, maybe you do take a risk and, and if there's only a training job available, that's an administrative role or supporting the LMS at a company, you know, get your foot in the door. And then when opportunities present themselves, don't be afraid to raise your hand. And if, you know, if you're, if you're bored doing what you're doing, you know, be brave enough to have a conversation with your boss. Sometimes it works out really well. For me, it did on several occasions. And then there's been times where I've said, I'm kind of bored. I'd like to try something else. And they've been like, well, we don't really have anything else for you. So see ya. <laughs> but it leads to, you know, I believe when one door closes and a window opens someplace else, and um, I'm really good at crawling in through windows. Uh, so you might want to make sure the audience keeps theirs locked and <laughs> <laughs> I think they'll alarm. want you. They'd want you crawling in. <laughs> this 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 group would definitely want you in. And I I really love that you talked about taking the leap, right? And that it may not feel like the or may not look maybe on the surface of it being the best fit, right? But also not taking a job just to get a job. And that's something yeah. I work a lot with my clients on. Is like before we even figure out what kind of role, like all of the things we, it's called like nailing your niche. And it's really figuring out like, what are the things you want to be doing? So maybe mm -hmm. it's not the right, the same topics or 
you know, the subject matter expertise, yeah. for example, but like, what do you want to be doing? Why do you want to be doing that? For who, where, like really figuring out those things, because I, I was just on a client call last night, actually. And one of my clients is interviewing for a role and they're like, you know, so, so excited about it. Right. But the, cause the role itself is compliance training, which is okay. like, eh, you know, could, could live without doing that. But we talked about, well, it's a, it's a, they don't, she doesn't know what the organization is yet because the recruiting firm says like, once you get to the next round, it's like, you know, it's yeah. very cush, hush, hush. Yeah, but I said, you know, once you find out what that company is, it could be a game changer, right? Because yeah. it could be a company, like you're saying that maybe has a lot of different areas. And for right now they need compliance training, but that yeah. doesn't mean that in a year from now, you can't be working on sales training or leadership right. training or, or those type of things too. Or it could, it could not be right. So I think, well, and, I think it's and such a valid you, point. You don't want to pigeonhole yourself into one niche only because like for me, compliance is something where I know enough to be dangerous and I wouldn't feel comfortable being responsible. So if you become a senior training director within an organization, you have to look at the training strategy for all areas of the business, not just say leasing or sales. So to be able to get a job as a compliance trainer, A, you're gonna build your skill set. you're gonna learn about that piece of the business, you're gonna become the subject matter expert for that piece. Then when you get ready to take your next step or spread your wings and maybe jump to another company, you've got that experience now to bring with you. So look at these opportunities, not as, Ooh, I hate compliance. I don't really want to train that instead, maybe flip it and say, well, you know what? More and more operators, especially in the multifamily space are looking at financing their new developments through an affordable arm or affordable program. And so to build your knowledge in that, uh, in that vertical or whatever you want to call it, I think is really a valuable opportunity. And so I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't look at that as, you know, Ooh, I mean, compliance isn't the most glamorous and the most fun, but it is very important because if, if the team isn't compliant to whatever guidelines or Lura or whatever they're having to adhere to, an owner could lose tax credits on a property yeah. and, and be very upset. And uh, a third party manager could lose a management contract because of that. So you can really provide a lot of value in that particular functionality and then take that with you to your next chapter and yeah. begin to build those skills as you go. I love to even thinking back to both of us getting started and doing software and systems training, which is like, so not our element, you yep. know, like we're, we are, we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're meant to be the performers on the stage, not behind, you know, the, behind <laughs> the class. And this is back in the day, right before like e-learning even, right. Like we're all yep. in person, we're sitting, you know, again, dating ourselves, but you know, sitting in a classroom, yeah. we're in the back of the room on the big projector, clicking the buttons and everyone has the, you know, their computers in a computer yep. lab. Right. So, you know, it's, it's, Interesting though, because you look at, you know, we did that, maybe it wasn't the, our favorite thing to do, but we learned a lot doing it. Mm -hmm. And it was our foot in the door to then be able to raise our hand and say, there's more I could do. And in my case, it was a, an actual position became available as a corporate trainer. Yep. And I was then, well, I didn't apply at first because I didn't have my college degree. Then eventually after they hired someone and that didn't work out, then they approached me and I said, <laughs> Yeah. I don't need to have that. I'm like, but that's a whole other true. conversation to degree. Whole other conversation. Degree, right. Yeah. I, well, it's funny. My last, the last podcast, no, not the last one, but the one before last, 
Um, I have Maureen Quende on who's getting her PhD in learning technology. So it's, it's interesting to hear different perspectives too, you know, on it, but for me and for you, like that wasn't my experience. So I, I can't speak to getting your PhD because it, I didn't, when I became a learning director, I didn't even have a degree. Yeah. So, but you, know, so you had street credit, you were a user. So, you know, there's, there's a value in that. I mean, being a user is as valuable as a degree in my respect or in my opinion. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, you, you're used, you can go to school and learn all the theory and you can learn all the different methodologies of e-learning technology and platforms like Camtasia and Captivate and, you know, uh, beyond and all these new fangled gadgets that are out there. I sound like an old fart, but, um, you know, to be, I I think one, one thing that's important in being successful in a training role, or even in a sales leadership role is that you've got street credit. You've sat in their seat. You did the, you did the dirty work, you were boots on the ground and that experience to folks that you're teaching is in my opinion, more, almost more valuable than having a degree. And I, I think there's been a real shift um, especially throughout the COVID uh, timeframe around companies looking a bit differently. I mean, you know, prior to it was, you know, if you were up against somebody with a PhD or a, a you know, a, a master's degree in, in some other, you know, business MBA or whatever that looks like, you had a hard time competing if you didn't have a degree. And I remember being in, in uh, New York with equity and, and looking for a new opportunity and really clicking with the um, lymphoma uh, society looking for a trainer. I'm a cancer survivor. I knew I have a story to tell. Um, I, I really clicked well with the hiring manager. And then she came back and she said, gosh, though, when I stack you up against these folks that have master's degrees, I just, I, I can't, you can't compete. So that was, you know, I, I even wrote a blog. I think it's still on my LinkedIn page called degree or no degree. That is the question. And there's a lot of talk, a lot of smack about, you know, oh, I think you should still get that degree. And, you know, I think it depends on you. If what matters to you is building your skill set through, you know, developing your educational path and, and getting a degree or getting a certification, you know, there's lots of different ways you can validate your knowledge and your expertise, not just through, a, through an MBA or a PhD, tons of training certifications. I'm MBTI certified. I've got a certification from Developmental Dimensions International as a certified facilitator. So I can teach a ton of stuff just because I've gotten those, you know, small certifications. But um, yeah, I think it's interesting because I'd rather have somebody who's been there, done it, knows how it works and can tell me and show me the best way to do it than to have somebody who just has a lot of book smarts. Yeah, I, I, I was just talking to someone this morning too, a few, actually a future podcast guest, we were doing a little touch base and we were talking about how we as humans, it was so funny, we're going so far off the topic I want to talk about, but this is so important, <laughs> uh, but that we as humans, we learn all different ways, right? Mm-hmm. There is not one central, I mean, Google, right? But like, there's not one central repository that we go to, to learn something mm-hmm. that we are reading it. We are talking to each other. We are going to a friend, watching a video, video, watching TV, right? I'm watching the crown right now. I'm learning so many things I didn't know before, (laughs) right? (laughs) We are learning literally all the time yet. 
we as a society and even corporates, we were talking about this more from a corporate perspective is that like, as from a corporate perspective, we, we assume that everything then must live in an LMS and like everything must live and die and breathe through the LMS. But like the reality is as humans, we don't go to one place, but the same thing too, when it comes to education, right? So you can't live and die and breathe by the fact that I'm going to go and I'm going to get a certificate or I'm going to get a master's degree or my bachelor's degree or a PhD, right there. That's, that's one piece of the yeah. bigger puzzle. It's one and for path some pe- to yeah, one mm-hmm. path and it's many one- doors to the same room, I think is, is the best way to look at that. Yes, totally, totally, yeah. totally. And I think people get caught up and because they do think like, well, I won't stack up against so-and-so and, and to your point, the tides have changed. That doesn't mean that someone who has a PhD or a master's isn't going to stand out because they absolutely will. But you also, if you are someone who does not have that, your other experiences now speak almost as loud, if not louder or at the same level than that. So I think it's important for people to hear that because, you know, I, when I think about learning and development, there is definitely a science to it, right? You can't just like throw stuff on a PowerPoint and call it training and expect people to have learned and changed, right? There's a science to that, but there's also a really big art to it. Mm -hmm. And the art, that's what I think comes from the experience. I think the science side comes from the education, right? Comes from the certifications. It comes from the education, comes from the self-education too, right? You're learning a new software, you're learning a new technique, you're learning a new technology. That's the science the models, right? All the models that there are. Yeah, that's that's (laughs) the science. But then the art of it is all those experiences that are kind of built around the science. And And I tell you, honestly, the, the whole Addy and Sam models, companies have have talked the talk, but when it comes down to it, they don't have time to do seven iterations of a training program because they need to roll it out this before this summer hits, you know? So I think it's hysterical. It's, it makes me laugh because there's so much a focus on talking the talk of a learning and development professional. But then when you get into the role, you'll find most oftentimes that you're not adhering to the processes that you learned in your education, your formal education, or through courses or certifications that you've taken. It's more about get, just get the job done and let's get it, let's get it rolled out. (laughs) Yes. I talk to my clients a lot about that because I think there's the scientific, the academic side of learning development, which is so valid. Like I am not, don't want to discredit that, that like there is validity in all of these, all these different models that exist out there. Right. And at the same, and so it's overwhelming if you are new to the industry and you're like, who's Addy and Sam? Like, <laughs> who are these people everyone's talking about, right? Um, and people who are listening to this podcast know that I, like the model that I like to subscribe to is a learning cluster design model, which is beyond Addy and Sam. And it's looking at how do we create an umbrella that all of these models can fit under that we can, to your point, realistically mm-hmm. utilize in the workplace, right? So I, I'm so glad you're saying that because- my clients or even people in, in the community, it's overwhelming to see all of these models and think, wow, I have to know them. And even on job descriptions, right? To your point, yeah. knowledge about it. Like, and it's like bullshit. I'll put an explicit thing on this podcast. Like bullshit. <laughs> like, like how, I mean, how many times have I been able this to This is my first adults go- only podcast. I'm a, <laughs> yeah. little, uh, I'm a little scared. What's next? <laughs> how many times have I actually, and you actually have, have really been able to sit down and go through every step. And that is why I do like 
not to plug it more, but the learning cluster design model, because it gives you five actions. And yeah, in the perfect world, you would go through all five in order, but you don't have to. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the beauty of something that's a more fluid and you know flowy model to be able to go in and be like, okay, I can do one of these. I'm going to do this one, you know, but it, it's so overwhelming to see all these models that organizations say you need to know yeah. and people dive deep into it. And they're like, I need to get a certification and I need to study Addy more. And I'm like, Honestly, if you just know what the letters mean, that yeah. will probably get you through the interview. And I <laughs> doubt they're actually doing the entire process once you I've get only it, worked you know? at one. I've only worked at one company where that was part of conversations when we were building curriculum. And that was the company that we shared together at Equity. Yeah. They had, they had a really smart uh, learning and development senior leadership was very well educated in, in the methodologies of adult learning and, um, you know, so, but to your point. Yeah. How many other places are like, um, we need this training yesterday. Yeah. Like yeah. And there's uh-huh. no time for like analyzing. There's no time for iterating. Like it is yeah. just like design, deliver. Get like it that's it. it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not even design, just deliver, like yeah. snap your fingers and deliver. So, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think for, for listeners who are in the, in the hiring manager's seat, you know, think differently about your approach to hiring a learning professional, think about street credit and give it just as much uh, waiting as you do book smarts and, and degree and whatnot. And then also don't say yes to everything your senior leadership asks you to do. I've been at companies that wanted to roll seven or eight things out in the course of a year. And I'm like, you know what, we can do two. Let's do two and do them well and make sure that everybody feels good before we you can't overwhelm your audience either. So you can overwhelm yourself with all these different models and different, you know, certifications and programs that are out there to, to develop your personal skill set. But you can also overwhelm your audience as a learning professional by trying to push too much at them uh, at the, at the rate that, you know, the upper tier is saying, let's get this all done in one year. Not. Yeah. I think that's like, that's probably, I would say part two, it's like, we could talk, all day about that. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's something too, that people, I definitely will actually parking lot that to use yeah. a training term, right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> one of my least favorite ones, but, <laughs> um, but because I think that's a skill that people would need to know, you know, when you're entering an L and and I, I talk to, I talk about this a lot, actually, into, into my clients, but when you first are getting into it for the first time and someone's essentially taking a chance on you, especially if you were outside of learning and development and yeah. you have that street cred, whether you were a teacher, you know, whether you were a salesperson that you have that street cred and you're coming in that there's that instant like feeling of like, Oh, well, I need to do everything that they say. Yeah. And we switch, we, that's when we perpetuate the L and D order taker you know, yeah. mentality versus being a, a subject matter expert in learning yeah. and in training and being a consultant. So that's definitely or being a, a trusted advisor and saying, Hey, look, you know, you've got eight, th- these eight things. If I say yes to these, I have to say no to these. So help me understand what the priority is, right. what, you know, what's most important to you to accomplish in the first quarter, third quarter, whatever it might look like. But you, I would say more than more than other skills around certifications and degrees, learn how to say no in a way that doesn't upset your client or your boss, but also gives you the opportunity to manage your workload and be have a little bit of balance in your career because it's easy starting out to want to say yes to everything and to please everybody. And you're just going to end up 
you know, either putting something out there that's half baked and your name is now attached to it. So what's that say? Or you're going to overwhelm yourself, burn yourself out. And, you know, you'll be looking for a new home very soon after that. <laughs> Been there, yeah, done that I, a couple of times. Yeah, same, 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 same. <laughs> I, I also think too, along those same lines is, you know, it's not so much, I mean, it is saying no, but it's the way that you say no, right? And what I found in my personal experience is being able to look at all of the, you know, the orders that are, are coming in essentially yeah. and be able to say which one's going to have the most business. Well, first, first, let me back up. Does this need to be actually training? Right. So like, that's yes. a whole nother. It always topic. comes down. It's always training's fault or it's always training's problem or yeah. training is always the solution. And that's not yeah. always the case. Like, how do we, how are, how are we the problem and the solution yeah. at the same time? Like, please someone <laughs> tell us that. Like, that's just not, that's not how it works, but you know, it's interesting in my last organization, that's, it was that way. So I actually have experienced that, but you know, it was when things went wrong, they need more training. Right. And that's just so far from the truth. I was uh, doing a, a speaking engagement last night for ATD and I, the, my co-facilitator was talking about how a specific story where she was high up in a, in a really large organization from a training perspective. And there was this, one of their more line level employees, I guess you could put it, was constantly filling out her paperwork wrong. And it was a very important paper. I can't get too many details, but like a very important paper. But she kept filling out wrong and putting the wrong numbers in it. And so it made its way up to, to my co-facilitator. And they said she needs to be trained on how to properly fill out the paper. Like it, this is government regulations. Like she she's messing it up. It's it's terrible. So she went and did her own investigation, talked to the woman and said, Hey, like what's what's going on here? The person who was actually, you know, causing the problem. And she said that she what, what they found out, long story to wrap up the story, is that she didn't have access to the standard operating procedures that she had to go to another department to access like them through the other department, print them out and then bring them back to her office because her department wasn't set up properly. And so the standard operating procedures would get updated, but because she had a printed copy and would have to go across the campus essentially and print out new ones that that's why her numbers. So it had nothing to do with her being trained. And so what, but what happens is, is there's a problem and training needs to come in and fix it. So I think the first thing is, is being able to, sometimes you're saying yes, right. You're not saying, you know, what I immediately yes, say no, you're saying let's yes. Look at, yeah. yeah. And I'm going to investigate that. Yeah. Right. And then you mm-hmm. can come back and say, this isn't training. Right. And that's what, a, that's like, that's a key, that's a key skill for a sales leader, for a learning leader, for a portfolio director, you know, don't just go with what the data tells you or what, the word on the street is let that start the conversation and go ask some questions and and learn. That's, that's a, that's a true consultative approach toward how we can provide value to an organization is through becoming that trusted advisor to say, bring me all your questions and I'll find the answers. It's not always going to be training. And sometimes we learn through those investigative opportunities that, yeah, it's a, it's a procedural thing that's getting in her way. Not the fact that she can't do the task that she's been assigned or asked to do. And you don't have to be high up in L and D to do that. Right. If you think about teachers, for example, right. Like 
teachers are constantly having to find out what's happening with this student. What's going wrong? Like, is it a train? Is it a teaching issue? No, something's happening at home, right? Like there's like, if you look, even look at it like that in so many ways in our lives in sales, right? From a sales perspective of like, does the customer need this product or what's yep. the problem that they are actually having so I can choose the right product for them? Yep. So or maintenance. Maintenance. Yeah. We had a maintenance tech who was going to get fired because he was taking longer to complete work orders than anybody else on the team. And of course, it was a training issue, right? Of course. But when of it course. came down to it, he was doing something similar to your gal. He was having to go back to the shop six times to get a part or to ask somebody if they had the tool he needed. And they were about ready to can him because he was performing slowly and come to find out it was because he didn't have the tools that he needed. So I think that's a really important conversation for people in this sphere to hear and to listen (laughs) and to act based on now I look at things a bit differently than I did before. So it's not just taking it at face value of, oh, yep. Okay. Higher up. So that needs to be a training. And it's hard when you first start to do that, but you don't have to say no, but you can say yes. And then go do your investigative research, come back and say, Hey, what I actually found out was this woman has to go five minutes, print something out because she doesn't have access. Right. And then they say, Oh, that's an easy fix, right? Training's not an easy fix necessarily. It takes time. So I think once you, it's the first layer of thinking is, does this need to be training? And then to your point of, I have eight priorities, then it's figuring out, well, which one's going to have the the best business impact or the highest business impact. Yep. I think those two things can help you early, early on in your L&D career to be a, an internal consultant. That's what I've considered myself for a very long time, yeah. Always, an internal L&D consultant, consultant. Mm-hmm. you yep. know, and just really being able to, to help guide the strategic direction of, of training. So mm-hmm. I just, I find it so, so fascinating. And just a lot of people think that you need to be the LED director or the VP to make those decisions. But a lot of times the VP and the director are also the ones giving you the eight priorities because yeah. they're getting it. You know, <laughs> I've been guilty of doing that too to my own team. So, you know, to have, but to have people who are on my team who have said to me, we can't do all of this. Yeah. Like, I'm like, Oh yes, you're correct. We cannot do all of this, you know, but Sometimes when you move higher up, you, you forget. And I think it's important that people who are entering into L&D for the first time, or if you're still new to it, uh, or even if you're not new to it, but remembering that that's, that's a big part of our role is to, is to consult on that. Because at the end of the day, if we are doing eight competing priorities, that means our learners are also dealing with eight competing priorities yeah. on top of doing their jobs. Yeah. And that's often what most people in L&D, I find, tend to forget that our job is supposed to be to support them. Yeah. But sometimes what happens is our job ends up over supporting essentially, yeah. Yeah. and they don't know where to start, what to do, yeah. where to go. And we don't get to do what we originally intended to do. Right. Right. So a good recommendation be, uh, take some, take some time to develop your um, ability to coach up because coaching up within an organization is key, especially in those times where you've got to say to somebody above you, you know, look at the, look at the resources that we have and look at what's being asked of us. We can't say yes to everything. So what does that look like? You know, and being able to put yourself in that conversation is not the easiest thing to do. It's taken me, it took me a long time to learn that particular skill, but it's really important for you to be able to, to have that uh, conversation. And that, that really begins to, to turn the tide. And instead of you being looked at as just the trainer, then you begin to be looked at as a trusted advisor and somebody that, that the business wants to come to. 
you know, I always push back and ask the question, well, how does this affect the people on site? How does this impact their day? What's this going to look like? How's this going to feel to them? Um, because at the end of the day, you, to your point, we are here in a supportive role to support the organization. And it means the whole organization, not just the corporate office, but the, the folks that are boots on the ground doing the grunt work that gives us our paycheck every, <laughs> every two weeks, you know? Yeah. I think it's important you know, that learner first mentality. Mm-hmm. I spoke to someone I was talking to this morning and we're talking about a product or something. And she's like, it's so great to hear, you know, that you are talking about the learner experience. And I was like, what else is there to talk about? Like, <laughs> why are, why are what, we here? If not for, the why learner? <laughs> are we here? If not for them, you yeah. know, and it's, I think it sometimes you, we do forget that like we get bogged down and it forget it's, you can forget about it. And I, but when you, it's like, almost like you want to put a sticky note on your desk or in your computer saying like learner first, yeah. like it's that's your why. Be, it has to be your why. And that's, your why. that's for me, why I've worked at organizations who have put operations ahead of people because operations and, makes money and it's easy to prove that operations makes money. If we save, if we don't spend a lot on maintenance and if we don't go over on payroll and all those things are easily provable. Learning and development is a, is harder to prove from a value perspective or an NOI perspective, but yeah, that learner first mentality will cause you to create learning experiences that are going to impact the business results, whether it's through equipping the sales team to sell better, more effectively, to teaching um, a service, customer service class that helps people connect better with their current clients or customer base so that they retain those people as customers. I mean, yeah, it, it is a lot easier for the operations side to always get the, the louder voice and the cooler toys than, than what we get. Yeah. It, it's just so interesting to me though, because I've always been of the school of thought that like, yes, operations makes money, but like, who do you think is making you that money? Yeah. You know, like it's, it's your people. And so yeah. I've worked in many. And so if you like, especially real estate, multifamily organizations, where the ones that I have seen that put people over operations are so much more successful from yeah, a financial sure. standpoint, mm-hmm. from a turnover standpoint, they are, they make so much more money yeah. and, and, and just advance and skyrocket and just, and just take over market, like take over entire markets. Yeah. For and sure. when they come to town, people are like, Oh shit, like they're coming. Like <laughs> we better, we better get our stuff together and you know, be trained better. And it's like, no, no, it's too late. Like they, yeah. they're, they're here they're already because here. Yeah. they're already here and they, they prioritize their people and their development and their training because they know that their pe- people are their best asset Yeah, and that's who makes you money. And so it's just so interesting for me when I, when I look at organizations and it's, I actually, I did a whole podcast episode on this as well. And I work with my clients on this, as far as making sure from a learning and development perspective, that you are joining an organization that values learning and values people and some of the questions to ask when you're in the interview process to, to really find that out because it's really, really hard to work as in L and D yes. an organization that does not value learning, right? It's like, you're basically and it's saying, also, I'm I not mean, valued. At least from my experience, it's also hard to work in an organization where core values don't, don't jive with who I am as a person, or maybe they, they've got core values that look great on paper, but they're really not a part of it's not a living, breathing member of the team, so to speak. And that is huge too. I remember working for a company where one of their core values that's out there on everything from print to web 
it says results. We're here to get money for our clients and a customer who's a resident looking for a new apartment. How does that rub them the wrong way? All they're looking for is to make money for, you know, so, I mean, you really have to think about like a holistic look at the company organizationally, culturally, uh, resources, what kind of resources do they make available to someone in a training role? Um, all those bits are, are so important. And I think we don't, uh, we don't sometimes take enough, we don't do enough due diligence up front before we take a role with a company. And, you know, I mean, it's a honeymoon period with any company that you work for, but I would encourage folks listening to, you know, really get in, look at their core values, look at how they operate, take a look on social media. What are people saying about them? What do their employees say on Glassdoor? Um, you know, and if, if what you're hearing isn't a reflection at the end of the day, I am a reflection of who I work for or who I work for as a reflection of me. And if what I see in the mirror isn't good or doesn't make me feel, you know, like I'm, I'm who true to who I am, then I'm going to try to find somebody else who drives a little bit better. Cause then you can weave all that in to every training opportunity that you have. And you build off of, you know, our core value is people first. And so the first thing when somebody walks into my training is I take a minute to get to know them as a person versus cutting right to business and getting right to the meeting or, or whatever that might be. Um, boy, have we rambled or what? But I love it. But I think <laughs> this, is so, this is really important for people to know though and, and learning because I, I would say one of, if not the best companies I ever worked for was Bazudo Management Company. And they used to always say, and I learned this and I tried to pass this along to my clients is that we don't hire people and teach them our values. Mm-hmm. We hire people who already have them. Yes. Yeah. And their values were concern, creativity, passion, and a strive for perfection, right? Perfection is a goal worth pursuing. Yeah. And to your point, like we were able to weave that. In. It was weaved into who we are. The, the mission was to create sanctuary and it was to create sanctuary for our residents, to create sanctuary for our customers, for our vendors, for our employees. employees and so yeah. it, it really is, I'm getting chills even thinking about it because of, of how aligned the company was with, with their values and mm-hmm. that it, it then also, it makes your job easier. So yeah. I will say that too. It's like, we were able to then say, all right, well, if it doesn't, <laughs> aligned with, you know, having concern, creativity, passion, or strive for perfection. If it's not aligned with that, then it's probably not the right thing for us to be doing. So even right. from a training perspective, you know, we were really able to, to weave into that because we knew what that, that core framework was. Yeah. And so I, I, I think it's really important for people to hear, especially when people are out of work and they're looking for their next thing. Yeah. And I, I talk about this with my clients a lot too, like we can play the short game but we got to continue to play the long game. Yeah. Right? Like if you need to get out now, if you need a job right now, we can get you contract work. We can get you, you know, we can figure that out. But the long game, like we're not, we're not getting you into something. And then we're not having this conversation. You're not hiring me again next year. Right. right? Like that's not my yeah. goal. My goal was like, we work together for three months. And then like, you're, you're going to call me when you're a director of training and you need help being onboarded <laughs> right. for that. Like, that's it. I don't, I don't want to renew with you. Like I, I, you are, you are done with me. Like you, we yeah. love each other and you are done with me. Right. But like, I don't, I tell my clients too, like, you don't pay me to be doing this again. Anymore. Right. Like that's not, that's, that's, that's not what you're doing. And so what I find happens though, is that if people are so quick to jump because of, of circumstances, which again, I've done it. Understandable. I mean, I can't yeah, say me too. I haven't done it, you know? Yeah. My, my last company, it's exactly what I did. I didn't do any due diligence. I heard one or two people say some good things and, and went with it. And it was a, 
in a lot of ways, a, a terrible experience. <laughs> and in some ways, you know, I, I learned a lot from it. So, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm grateful, grateful for it, but I think it's important for people to hear that values. Yeah. Culture, and if they don't have them, you know, sometimes you'll, sometimes you'll have an opportunity that presents itself from a smaller company that, you know, doesn't really know who they are as a company. And so what a great opportunity for you to lead the charge and say, then let's talk about that. Because from a learning and, and development perspective, it's really important that everything we build and everything we deliver to our team uh, supports the direction the company's headed. Um, if they don't have a vision or a mission statement, you know, one of the most fun things you can do is like a leadership alignment meeting where you get all the leaders in a room. Let's hash it out. Let's not leave this room until we decide who we're going to be as leaders, how we want to lead this company, what we expect of one another. And then that's going to trickle down into everything that you'll build from that point forward. And, and it's a great opportunity. So on one side, yes, make sure you do your due diligence. If they are out there and they represent themselves, don't, don't be afraid in an interview to say, tell me how this core value shows up in, in your day to day. And what's that look like at this organization? And if they don't have them, then say, one of the first things that I would do within my first six, 30, 60, 90 days is to get to know the company, get to know the people, and then to start figure out what our mission and our vision is. And to help you guys achieve that, we'll work, we'll work together, but we need to, we need to figure out and have a good uh, identity, some core values and a good guiding star, North star, that's going to help us, you know, get to the right point. I love that. All right. Yes. We have gone completely off the rails, but in the absolute <laughs> best way possible. Um, last question to you. I didn't get to any of my other questions, which is amazing. Real question though, that I did have written down. What advice do you have to people who are either looking to get into L&D or are just starting in their L&D journey, what token Steve Wunsch advice can you give to them to be successful? Um, it's probably more of a question than it is uh, a statement. It's why, why are you looking in this field? Why, why do you wanna do this? Because a lot of folks see a trainer and they think how glamorous and fun and, you know, you're up on stage and at awards programs, you're the one that's emceeing and giving out the awards. Why do you want to do this? That's really an important first question to ask yourself. And if at the end of the day, you can say, I want to do this because I get satisfaction and joy out of helping others succeed, then move on. Come on in. The water's fine. If you don't, if you're not sure, or you think I want to travel for work and this looks like fun and... I could do that. Or, you know, I'm a frustrated actor like me, <laughs> you know, make sure the, the why that's driving you is the desire to see others succeed because in a support role like this, you're not going to win awards like someone in operations. You're not going to get community manager of the year. There probably isn't even a trainer of the year at your company because you're the only trainer. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, what, what motivates you to do what you do, that's the most important thing to realize and to, to be able to, to verbalize, I want to do this because I, help, I love helping other people succeed. That's where the rubber meets the road and you, it will stick. You will be successful. If you can't say at the end of the day, that's what's making you get out of bed in the morning, then maybe look at some other options with a learning uh, a learning spin or a learning opportunity as part of that role, but maybe not as, as the full role. It's, you know, as the hundred percent of the role. 
That's incredible advice. And it's so it's, it goes back to like the alignment, right? And so are you aligned with your own goals and your yeah. own vision? So I think yeah. that's fantastic. And I know so many people are going to be impacted by your words today in an incredible oh. way. And they'll want to find you um, and have you crawl <laughs> through their window. Where can people, where can people connect How with you? That was a really nice bringing it back around full circle, right? <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting this podcast host thing down. Um, <laughs> where, um, where can people connect with you? Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, easy, Steve Wunsch, like lunch with the W, or you can email me at stevewunsch at outlook.com. Uh, you can also take a peek at my website. Uh, it's just Steve Wunsch or sorry, Steve Wunsch at outlook.com is my email address and Steve Wunsch.com is my website. So take a peek. Amazing. Would love to hear from you. Yeah, definitely. So thank you. I mean, thank you again. You're such, you've been such an inspiration for me. I'm so glad we got to, you know, re- reconnect to that conference a few years ago. And in all honesty, my career, my business would not exist without having had you pave the way ahead of time. So my, all I'm hoping to do is pave the way for others as you did for me. So thank you for all that you've done and all that you continue to do in this space. Well, if anything, uh, a legacy that I'd want to leave behind would be exactly that. Those types of moments where you've impacted the life of, even if it's just one Sarah out there. Um, I have to tell you that conference blew me away because you came and talked to me I had another person come and give me the, her business card. She's a, the VP of a property management firm now. Uh, and a, a lot of this mojo came from sitting in a class with me. Uh, so make learning fun, people. Make it fun with a purpose. It can't just yes. be, you know, don't just do squishy balls and uh, pipe cleaners and toys on the table fun. No, no. Make it an engaging, facilitated experience that people remember they enjoy the more they the more they enjoy it the more they'll retain and the more they retain they'll remember you for the rest of their life and i i love that and i'm so honored that you that you put me in that position because it's a it's a lot more about you than it is about me <laughs> see there again you yep. can't take the glory <laughs> you're in a support role <laughs> it's true so i just so equipped true. you with some skills that that took you to the next level and woohoo that makes me so happy i'm i'm thrilled thank you so much for listening to today's episode if it resonated with you in any way please let me know by subscribing liking and leaving a review i'd love to hear from you on how you're using these tools as well as what you want to hear more of So connect with me on LinkedIn at Sarah Canistra, send me a DM or email me at hello at theovernighttrainer.com. I can't wait to hear from you. And until next week, stay learning.